as I've been watching you and uh, kind of or watching the uh, previous pastors, I realize how young I am because uh, they were all in these like clean offices studying and uh, studying God's word. And then I'm sitting there like you going, my house is a complete disaster with my three kids. And so when I get up early in the morning and I sit on my couch, I have the T-Rex sitting right next to me going, study God's Bible, study God's Word. And uh, so I just wanted to bring you into my life before uh, we started uh, this sermon this morning. Uh, but the other thing that's happened this week was this, was that uh, I was sitting, uh, reading my, my Bible, and I was reading through Leviticus. Now, if uh, you know Leviticus, I think it's the, the spot where most people say, I'm done reading the Bible. It doesn't make any more sense. I'm done. And so my son walks out, and uh, he's like sleepy, and he comes up, and he gives me this book. This is a dinosaur, uh, a cyclopedia of dinosaurs, and if you can see, it's huge, okay? So it's 7 in the morning, and I'm reading Leviticus, and then he wants me to read this. I'm trying to pronounce all these dinosaur names, like they have like 18 million syllables, and I'm going, I don't know which one I would rather be reading right now. And I was like, is it bad that I just say I don't want to read either one at this moment? I just want to sleep. And so uh, if you're reading God's Word and you're with us kind of in this journey, you're in the book of Acts and also in Leviticus. And I'm excited because I get to speak today about the book of Acts. And uh, Pastor Dan did a great job of the Gospels. And this is the next book in the Bible after the Gospel of John. And we're going to be studying it. And we've been talking about this idea that we need to get up out of the study and enter into God's story. But I don't know... How how it is for you, but for me, I get scared at this point. To put my foot down, to enter his story that he has for me, that's dangerous. I'm entering a world where people don't understand the gospel. They ask me questions that I don't know how to respond with. There's, the world's messed up. And so often, though, I just want to sit back down and I'll say, I'll read my Bible. I'll know the truth, but God, for me to enter into your story, I don't know if I have enough courage there. And so the book of Acts, though, shows us how we can have this courage to enter into his story and how when we do enter into his story, God can do great things. It's not us, but it's God because of what we have through the Holy Spirit. So if you guys have your Bibles or your device or you just want to take a look at the screen, we're going to be starting in Acts 1. And kind of before we, we get in here into Acts 1, we, we realize that the author, Luke, in, in uh, writing this book, so he wrote the Gospel of Luke. He's a, a physician, a, a doctor, really smart guy, but he wants to show us something in this book. And he summarizes what he wants to show us in what Jesus said before he ascended back up to, into heaven, and it's this. So they, and that's the disciples, gathered around Jesus and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And Jesus said to, to them, it is not for you, you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses to Jerusalem, to all of Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so this morning, we are going to flesh out what this actually means. Because this really, that verse, 
summarizes exactly what happens throughout the next 27 chapters of the book of Acts. It's all about the power of the Holy Spirit that comes on each one of us when we give our lives to Jesus and how we are called to go out and bring the gospel to the world. And so for you, as you kind of hear what God has for you this morning, if you're going, I want to know more about what the Holy Spirit is and how the Holy Spirit can work in my life, I encourage you to go back to a previous sermon that Eric Lubert uh, preached here last summer. And it's called uh, when the, when the Holy Spirit is here. And so I encourage you, if you want to have some more questions or you have some questions that you want answered, uh, go listen to that amazing sermon. But Jesus here, before he leaves, he highlights four different areas of the world. And on the screen, you're going to see these four. It's Jerusalem, it's Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Now what you're seeing here is it starts with a city. And it starts to expand and get bigger and bigger and bigger. And what you're going to see as we talk through the book of Acts is how the gospel went out. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, the gospel goes out throughout the whole world. Because until this point, the gospel was really only for those in the, who were Israelites. And you see here, there's a calling by, the, by God of Jesus saying, now it's time for the world to know about me. And the question for us is, how do we apply what we learn here to our own lives? And I think there's some really great things that God has for us. And so I've divided the book of Acts into, into three different acts. And the first one is this, that the Holy Spirit founded the church in Jerusalem. In Jerusalem. And what we see here is, in the second chapter of Acts, we see how the disciples were gathered together praying and wanting the Holy Spirit to come. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit comes down in such a way that all, this, all the disciples start to speak in different languages. And the people are confused in Jerusalem and going, what's going on here? And they actually, they kind of critique and they go, are you guys drunk? And Peter stands up with a crowd of thousands and he says this. He says, we are not drunk, but we have a relationship with the living Jesus. And when you think about it, you think about a man, Peter, who had just weeks earlier, when he had a, a chance to defend Jesus, he denied him three times. And now just weeks after this, we see this guy, Peter, stand up and give a sermon about who Jesus is. So what happened in that time? I can only equate it to this, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came and invaded Peter's heart and his soul and who he was, and he realized that God was in him, that God had a message that he was going to bring to all those that day. And he preaches this sermon in Acts 2, and 3,000 people give their lives to Jesus that day. And then you see in the following verses, in 42 through 47, you see this picture of the church. It's not a church building, but it's a gathering of people who are coming together and they're sharing what they have. They're meeting daily to break bread, praise God, give their kind of lives and, and focus to the apostles' teaching. And every day they're gaining in number those who are being saved. 
And so we see this church form because of Peter's ability to stand up and, and bring the gospel. And the first thing I kind of see in these beginning chapters is that the church is a movement of people filled with a boldness that just weeks before was one of fear, now is one to go out and to bring the gospel to those around them. No, so often for us, we like to just read our Bible and to sit on the sidelines and go, you know what, that's for somebody else to do. But when we see the church as a movement, when we see it as what is happening in the book of Acts, we get excited, we get passionate about going, how can I be a part of what God is doing? I just don't want to sit in a study anymore. I want to enter into his story, in the power that I have through the Holy Spirit to bring the gospel to my world. Now the question is, are you going somewhere with BlackRock? Is your life, is your spiritual walk going somewhere with what we're doing at this church? From community groups to starting point to serving to bringing the message that you hear each Sunday into your workplace and family? Is that who you are? Is that what you're all about? You might say, Jeremy, what does it mean in an individual life to be a person of movement when it comes to your relationship with Jesus? I think of a couple ways that I'm doing that. One is on Monday nights, I just go down and I play some basketball with some inner city teenage boys who otherwise might be joining a gang. I just go, I can go down and love them on Monday nights and bring the gospel. My son started soccer this year, and so I coached his team. I know nothing about soccer, but I know that I can love little kids. And so I love them and watch some YouTube videos and figure out how do I coach soccer because I don't remember anything when I was seven years old when I last played soccer, but I want to love these kids. And I want, to, I want them to see a male role model in their life that loves Jesus. I go in on Friday afternoons to a class. And I love little kids in my, my son's kindergarten class. For an hour, I'll read and help them with math. On Friday, I'm standing there about to walk out. One, a little girl walks up and gives me a big hug. See, that's what it means to be a person of movement. Not just sitting and going, what can I get out of my life? But be someone to go out and say, I want to impact others because Jesus, the Holy Spirit, is living in me. And I can't do anything else except go out and bring the gospel to people. Our county needs to know Jesus. Southern Connecticut needs to know Jesus. And all of us have that calling on our life. Now what you see as uh, chapters 5 and 6 of Acts happen, the church starts to get persecuted. As people see what's happening, they go, this can't be true. This movement can't be happening. We want to squelch it and stop it. So they start harassing the disciples. And in Acts, in the Act 2 of this book, chapters 7 through 11, we see the Holy Spirit brings the gospel to Judea and Jerusalem, to the non-Jews. You see, before Chapter 7 of Acts, the disciples thought that the gospel was only for those in Israel. They had grown up with it. You can't kind of be, be mad at them for thinking that way because that's all they knew. That's all they had been taught. But now Jesus 
And the gospel starts going, hey, I'm going out. I'm going to meet a Samaritan woman at a well. And they're, they're kind of going, what the heck's happening here? And then in we, what we read in chapter 1, Jesus says, you're going to go out to the ends of the earth. But the, the, the disciples were resistant to this. And God, to, God had to resort, I think, to some extra measures to make this happen. And so in Acts 7, we see the first martyr, and that's Stephen. Stephen is stoned to death for believing in Jesus, for proclaiming Jesus to those around him. He preaches a great sermon, and the people get so mad at hearing about who Jesus is that they literally take stones and they kill him. And in Acts chapter 8, verse 1, it says this, On that day, the day that Stephen was stoned, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. You see, when the devil thinks he's winning, the Holy Spirit uses that and turns it all the way around and goes, I have a bigger plan. I am going to use the scattering of all these people to bring the gospel to the world. You see, in the coming chapters in Acts, the conversion of Saul. Now Saul actually oversaw the stoning of Stephen. He's overseeing the persecution of all the Christians. And for him, he's on a journey. And one day on this journey, on the road to Damascus, he meets and hears the voice of Jesus. And Jesus calls him and goes, I want you to follow me. And his life is transformed. And the disciples for, for literally weeks and months could not fathom Saul being a follower of Jesus. They questioned him and said, how does this happen? Only through the power of the Holy Spirit. We also see in these chapters, the Holy Spirit has to come down and give a vision to Peter to say, Peter, I'm calling you to bring the gospel to those who are not Jews. And he's still resistant. He still questions it. And what you see over and over is that God wants, to, wants the gospel to go out. But we're resistant. The disciples are resistant. When the church is a movement, it is a church that is diverse, that welcomes all that comes in with their questions and backgrounds and everything. As we proclaim the good news about Jesus, people's hearts are changed. And God will use our hardship, our struggle, what the devil int intends to destroy, to bring more and more people to Christ. And so what you, whatever you are going through, your hardship, realize that God might have a bigger plan than what you see. That he might want to use what you are going through to bring more and more people to him. The third act in this book, is the Holy Spirit brings the gospel to the ends of the earth. Now Saul, who was converted, his name is changed to Paul. And so we see in, in uh, chapters 12 through 28, Paul going out and bringing the gospel to the world. Now Paul had uh, a special kind of thing. He was both a Jew plus a Roman. And so he was able to travel throughout the whole area and bring the gospel. And it's a lot like this. 
is that for a time, people were just kind of in the study, or maybe they had made their way onto the stage in, in Jerusalem and even Judea. But now God said, I want the gospel to go into the world. I want the gospel to go to each and every person that you interact with. That I wanted to go to those who most desperately need it. You go, was it easy for Paul? Was it easy to go on these journeys to bring the gospel to those who were hurting and lost? It was the opposite of easy. It was the toughest thing. And we see this in Acts 12. Paul's expelled from a city for preaching. In Acts 14, there's a plot to kill him and to stone him. In Acts 14, he's actually stoned. He's dragged from the city, and they thought that he was dead. In Acts 16, he's beaten with rods and thrown into prison. In Acts 17, a mob forms outside the house that he's staying in. They want to kill him, and he has to hide and then escape that night. In Acts 21, Paul is attacked by a mob and arrested, and in chains, preaches an incredible sermon. In 23, there's another plot to kill him. In 24, he stands trial. In 27, he's there on a ship that is shipwrecked. And then finally taken to Rome to stand trial. For us to bring the gospel to the world is the toughest thing you will do in your life. But the question is, is there anything that we can't do with the Holy Spirit. Because I believe the Holy Spirit has a calling on our life to bring the gospel to the hard places. And as I read the book of Acts, I see a church, a movement of people who go, I am all about bringing the gospel to the hard places, to my family, to my work, to my kids' school, to the soccer team, to the far-off places of the world that maybe have never heard the gospel, I am going to be uncomfortable in it. Because I see how the disciples went out. And whether the Holy Spirit forced them to go out because of persecution, or Paul goes out because he feels that the Holy Spirit is calling him, we go out. We leave our comfort. And we go into a world that needs to know Jesus. And so this morning, what is God calling you to? What is the Holy Spirit calling you to? And there's some of you here this morning that don't know Jesus yet. You've heard about him. You've read about him. You may, might even been studying God's word, but you have not given your life to him. In Acts 2, Peter preaches this great sermon And at the end of the sermon, he says this. He says, Repent and be baptized, each one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. If you're here this morning, you've never given your life to Jesus. What that means is this, that you realize that you are a sinner. You realize that you have messed up because of how you have messed up in your life. You are separated from the love of your Father. God, but through the life of Jesus, through him dying on the cross, 
And then resurrecting, you can have life and you can have life to the full because he gives you that, the relationship with him. And if you have never given your life to him, I pray that this morning you do that, that you come down after the service and you pray with our prayer team and say, I give my life today to him. And then there's others of you who you might have been a part of church for a long time. But for you, church is not a movement. It might be a monument. It might be something that, that you stand and you look at, but there's no movement in your life. My prayer for you this morning is that your life will be one of movement. Just as the disciples and Paul were in the book of Acts, how they went out and brought the gospel to every area that they could, that we do that, that you do that. And as we take communion this morning, I pray that this is a time for you to reflect, a time for you to think about your own walk and where you're at, looking at the example that has been set before you with the disciples in the book of Acts. How are you going to live? And then make it right with God. Make it right with what God's prompting you to. We want to thank you for watching and listening to our sermons online. And we hope that uh, you will be inspired to live more like Jesus through these. Please check out blackrock.org for more information about our church. Know that you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. And also uh, know that you can give uh, to BlackRock and to our ministry through PushPay, through our mobile app, and on our website. Your uh, donations and your support of our ministry allows us to have uh, these videos online and for us to impact our community.